Hi guys, welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. This week's guest is Rich Fresh, who is a millionaire fashion designer. He designs the most amazing tracksuits, and his story is incredibly inspiring. I originally heard him on Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert, and as you guys know, Armchair Expert was really my inspiration for starting the podcast. I wanted to create a space where people could come and have meandering conversations about life and trading and why they do things, psychology, all of those things are fascinating to me. I heard Fresh on Armchair Expert and he was talking about the sacrifices that he made to be successful. And he gave up a lot of vices in order to make his dreams come true. And I found it so inspiring. It spoke to me and really influenced me. As you guys know, I have, I've had my own struggles with, uh, with vices and trying to become successful. So this was just a very personal and wonderful episode for me. I really admire Fresh so much. There are a few little technical glitches in the podcast. Fresh was on his phone and we had some connectivity issues. So please forgive us for any any glitches you might hear. And I hope that through Fresh's bravery and also my bravery with sharing my own story that you guys take something away from it. Uh, and also, if this podcast makes you uncomfortable, I hope you will give me the grace of this is something that I really wanted to do for me. And I hope you guys like it. But if not, please just skip to the next podcast. I appreciate all of you listeners so much and everything you've done for us at the Penny Lane Podcast. If you could please help us by leaving us a five-star review on Apple and writing something nice about the podcast, I sure would appreciate it. I hope you guys have a wonderful Easter weekend, and I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Pennies Going In Raw. The stock market is hotter than ever right now, and traders are taking advantage. But what does that mean for the people who still haven't started trading? The market can be a little intimidating at first, but you don't have to be alone in the learning experience. We at the Pennies Going In Raw podcast are here to help you. I'm Dan, and with my co-host, Hugh Henney, we make the stock market a fun but informative experience for our listeners. We offer knowledge for all levels of traders, from beginners to those who do it full-time. On PGIR, we discuss up-to-date news about the stock market and interview other traders who all started out just like us and made it big. You'll hear from Hugh and other multi-millionaire traders, founders and CEOs of companies, FinTwit superstars, and even professional athletes. Have you ever thought about investing your hard-earned cash but don't know where to start? Do you have money just sitting in your savings account collecting dust? We were all there once too. Listen to Pennies Going In Raw on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Rich. Welcome to the Penny Lane Podcast. How are you? Okay, fresh. Perfect. Um, so nice to meet you. I'm such a big fan of yours ever since I heard you on Armchair Expert. That was really um, such a life-changing podcast for me. I've listened to it like four or five times. That's beautiful. That beautiful. I'm. Um, yeah. What you did sharing that was so brave and honest and authentic. 
it was um it was really incredible and i'm so honored you agreed to talk to me absolutely uh, it was a great interview you know it was real vulnerable but um like you said you know those are the types of interviews that can like impact other people you know, if i get on talking about superficial things it, it probably won't have the same impact as if i just really dive deep and you know talk about the human element absolutely and I, um, I was particularly moved because, and I was just really moved by how, um, how much that shaped your life and how you have been able to find so much strength from that, especially with it happening in such a, such a tough time in your life and career. It's very honorable. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's tough times, you know, I mean, everyone deals with loss at some point. Like, that's the unfortunate reality is that we all are going to either have to deal with loss or someone else is going to have to deal with the loss of us. So it's just kind of, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, when it happens, it's, it's much easier. Dealing with it is much easier said than done. Like, when it, when it knocks on your door, it's a, it's a tough one. Um, I have some buddies who lost their uh, dads. You know, when we were, like, younger, and um, I just saw, you know, like, how hurt they were, like, how how much it kind of shattered them, and I was like, damn, man, I never want to feel that shit. Um, and so, you know, when it's time for you to feel it, it was just, it was tough. It took me a long time to really come to terms with that that's just life. That's what it is. And it all happened because it had to, you know. Um, and I think just being at peace with it has remove that uh there was a dark cloud you know that just lingered right here you just come into peace with it uh, just blew that cloud out of the way do you um do you ever struggle with the fact that your dad was not alive to see your current success and how well you're doing no um you know like you know every now and then like my brother and I might say something cute, like, bruh, if dad could see us doing this shit, that'd be amazing. You know, like, man, dude, dad would lose his mind if he could see the shit we're doing. So it's more like that. It's more like jovial and like playful, like, yo, dude, I can hear him now, like, whoo, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's more that as opposed to being sad that he's not, because, you know, we can sense his presence, you know, like on a spiritual plane we can just sense that he's really a part of all this. Like he's a part of the success and this journey. So, um, yeah, I don't feel like he's absent from this at all. Um, I have a funny story about your brother, actually. So I, I, like, I love funny stories about my brother. Let me, let me, let me start with that. Okay. So please, please <laughs> okay. So I saw him on your Instagram and like clicked on his profile and was just like, I just really like this guy and he I saw that he was like working with artists and you know I'm a painter and I have this dream that I've had my whole life to do a very specific fashion collaboration and I just saw your brother and was like I think I'm gonna talk to him about that I just kind of like had a feeling and we talked about it and we set up a meeting and I 
I told him like exactly what I wanted to do. And he sounded like maybe he could help me with that. And we had this meeting set up for today, actually. Anyway, so we talked a little bit and we had a meeting set up for this afternoon. And I did not know, I knew you guys were friends, did not know your brothers. Um, so we were gonna meet after this, but because of the way the timing worked out, I just didn't have time to do both of them. So I, I asked him if we could do it one hour later and he was, he couldn't do it. So I was like, okay, well, how about on Monday? And he said, I'm coming to Atlanta. I'm flying. I can't do it on Monday. And I live in Atlanta. So I was like, if you're coming to Atlanta, you have to come to my studio. And then he said he would. And that feels like such a, that seems like such a gift from the universe. Like how does, I'm really blown away that that happened, but oh, so anyway, I have this studio visit set up with him. And then I was doing research on you for this podcast and read that he was your brother. And I feel a little dumb that I didn't realize that right away, but thrilled, (laughs) thrilled to know it now. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's like my brother, brother, not like play brother, that's my little brother. I've known him since the second he was born, you know. That's my guy. Well, I can't, I can't wait to meet him. So I also wanted to talk to you. um, If you could just sort of walk us through, if you wouldn't mind, and I know it's diving really right into it, but that moment um, when you had lost everything and you had no money and you have referred to it as your rock bottom moment, could you just walk us through sort of like the dreams you had and how you were able to climb yourself out of your living in a homeless shelter and you had some addictions and then you very quickly were able to kind of realize that you were at a rock bottom and then start on an upward trajectory that has just been incredible. Uh, okay. Can you see me or is, is my screen frozen? I can. It's a little, it's frozen. I can hear you. Okay, I'm moving around now. It's so weird. It just does it every now and then. Um, so, it was, uh, you know, um, just working in L.A., you know, just trying to figure things out. And, um, you know, I wasn't really making any significant money, but, you know, I was working, constantly making stuff. And um, I had a big client who, you know, I reached out to. I'd done some work with him in the past. And, I'm like, this guy's super rich. I've been to his house. You know, he's got all these Bentleys and Rolls Royces, so this little invoice won't be a problem. Well, I didn't know that he was being sued by everyone you could think of. So when it came time for my invoice, it never got paid. But I I spent all the money to make his clothes, and that was literally like all the money I had. And um, so at that point, you know, I was just, I was. And no more money. I just moved out of a apartment. I was rooming with some some guys, and um, I just moved out, so I didn't really have I didn't have that option set up. And um, I guess I didn't have a strong support system here either because I didn't have any friends who offered to stay on the couch or offered to put me up somewhere. It was just very you're on your own, kid. And um. 
I was legit on my own. It was, it was a, you know, it was a frightening experience, you know, like that shit's frightening. Um, but you know, when you're in it, you're just in it. So, uh, I look up and, um, I'm in a shelter and I, I'm in sheer disbelief because that's the furthest thing from my imagination. I would ever be in that type of situation. But when you're in it, you're in it. I spent a couple months just like chasing this guy, trying to get this money, which was just, you know, it was a, it was just an empty effort. It was just more excuses and bullshit. Um, and so after like two months of no payment from this guy, I'm completely tapped. I have zero money. His days I had like $2, $4. So I had to choose between, you know, eating a bowl of rice or catching the bus to, you know what I'm saying? It was like that type of shit. Like you're really in survival mode. Yeah. Um, and um, two months in, you know, it's like November of 2017, December 2017, you know, I was, I was homeless for Christmas. I was homeless for New Year. And um, when 2018 came in, right at the beginning of January, I reached out to the guy one more time, got his voice Really serious, um, voice were like, dude, pay me my fucking money, stop playing with me, it's not a joke, you know, like, trying to be as threatening in my tone as possible, but empty threats, you know, what I'm gonna do, this guy's, you got security, <laughs> yeah, do shit, um, but when I hung the phone up, so, to hear what sounded like laughter, it was like an instant, you know, infuriator, like, yo, who the fuck, and so, I, you know, I'm spinning around trying to see who's laughing at me, I don't see anybody. And then um, when I turn back around, I just hear this voice that just starts talking to me. I don't see anybody, but I just hear this voice. It's very clear, and it's talking to me. It's like, you know, you're never gonna, like, you're not gonna get it this way. You know, like, you're, you're, you haven't prayed one time, you haven't gone to God one time, but you're asking a man that's proven that he's not gonna take care of you. You're begging someone to do for you what he's already shown an inability to do. And you're not taking it to a higher power. And so I really got, like, chastised for moving that way. And um, I just had to proclaim to myself and to God and to the universe that I was going to move different. And um, that, you know, I, I, I would never call this guy again. I would never look for that money. I would just have to figure out another way uh, to get out of this situation. And that was it. And I, I was just at peace with it. You know, I was like, this situation... It's very necessary. It was necessary that I found myself in the circumstance so I could really understand. And all of a sudden, all of that was removed and I felt very hopeful. Like something cool is gonna happen, I don't know what, but God just like talked to me in this room for like 15 minutes and nobody was in here. Something interesting is gonna happen. And um, you know, as the story goes, I'm gonna sleep at night and I had a dream, and it was like a lucid dream. I kind of saw myself in the future, but it was like a, a successful version of myself. You know, I had the nice car, the Maserati, I had a nice home, I had employees, and I just looked and felt different. So when I woke up from the dream, I thought to myself, maybe this was a glimpse of the future. And I just pondered on it all day. And then the next, uh, well, that night I went to sleep, and I had another dream that was a continuation of the first dream. Same guy, 
I was thinking I was probably wearing the same clothes. But this time I was able to like recognize that, okay, this is a lucid dream. This is like, I'm seeing something in the future. So like pay attention to all these little details and nuances. What do you look like? What's your car look like? What color is it? What color is the interior? You know, what's your hair look like? You know, whose house is this? All, all those things. And uh, in dream, I remember opening up the, the car door. I told myself, oh shit, there's, okay, it's black. It's a Maserati. Okay, open the door. Let's see what the color of the interior is. Open the door, I get in, I see the inside. It's like a quarter of a leather. Uh, I, I, I hug the steering wheel. The whole thing, like I just went through the process of like manifesting while I was in a dream. And uh, I woke up and I felt great. I felt incredibly hopeful. And then I just started writing down like how this guy was significantly different. How the guy I kept envisioning was significantly different from the person I was at the time, you know? I had yeah. problems, alcohol problems. I just had a slew of different problems, depression. And, um, you know, I figured this guy didn't have any of those afflictions. Like, this guy seemed real clear and clean and focused. So let me write down how we're different. And I just wrote it all down. And um, I decided, like, if this guy's a real guy, his name wouldn't be Rich. Because I was going by Rich at the time. That's why I don't go by Rich now. I was like, this guy's name would be something different. I would call him, you know. And um, I just thought, like, okay, if I can do this business thing again. You know, I used to sell, like, cheap China made. Um, didn't really get me anywhere. And I just figured, like, yo, if I um, if I was to, to be able to do this again, I would do it luxury this time. You know, I would call it Rich Fresh. And it would be so cool. It would be my unique aesthetic. And I'd be very, 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 you know, aggressive with my approach and how I do things. That was it. And I uh, looked up maybe two weeks later and... And the Airbnbs, still figuring it out, but I've got a bit of a plan. Like, let me just make some cool clothes, take photos, and put them up on Instagram. And let's just see what the result will be. You know, let's see if I can drum up some business that way. Um, you know, I left the shelter with $300, so it's not any real money to start a business, but, you know, I just come from, uh, I come from shit decades of hustling you know i've been hustling since i was a teenager so i stopped drinking i stopped doing all the drugs i went vegan i just really myself to getting clean and just handling my business you know not making excuses and um i saw i just saw my life change and then you know the pandemic hit and you know now I'm this big celebrity tailor you know making millions of dollars and pandemic hits you know absolute faith like I'm, I'm i'm very faithful in you know my relationship with god you know what i'm saying like i don't worry about things um you know i i, I just I, I trust god i just i trust god in, in all scenarios um, and that's that's been that's been one of the the, the that's been the catalyst for all my unquestionable faith in whatever direction I feel God is taking me in. I don't ask no questions. I just do it. And then I always get the result that I'm, you know, promised.
now we're here. So, not to put this on you, I'm not trying to put this on you, but I, but I do want to tell you kind of a similar thing that I've had is I've worked at being a painter since I was five years old. It's, it's really all I've ever wanted to be. And, um, I'm a creator, you know, like I, I'm painting, I have this podcast. I really feel at my absolute purest when I am creating something or making something, um, and I'm building a legacy. So I had these dreams for myself that one day I could be this person that I wanted to be. And it wasn't really about money or fame. It was just a person that I wanted to be. And, um, you know, I would always hear this voice that was like, you could probably do that if you stop drinking or like, you're never going to get that unless you stop drinking. And it was just repeating over in my head. And I was like, I'm making it up. I think I'm making it up. Like there, you know, so no one's saying that to me. That's just my own. Right. I'm making it up. And I heard, I heard you on armchair expert. And I thought like, there's a reason that I heard this and I don't think I'm making it up. And it took, it took probably four or five months after hearing your interview that it kept going. And I kept hearing you and I kept hearing the voice of like, you can be who you want to be, but you have to make a sacrifice. And I'm a, I'm married and I have two kids, two amazing kids. And drinking was one of the most important things in my life. I, I really, 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 really liked drinking. Um, and I have a lot of like social anxiety. So the drinking was very helpful for all of that. (laughs) And I thought, honestly, I thought that outside of my family, which is the most important thing to me, drinking was the biggest sacrifice I could make to try to make my art career and this podcast work. And I was so scared. Um, I was so scared and it has, it's been about eight months, um, since I stopped drinking and I had, I tried, um, six months, I was eight months, um, for six months I was totally sober and then thought maybe I, maybe, maybe I beat this, you know, like maybe I could kind of incorporate, incorporate it back in. And I knew what was going to happen, but incorporated it back in, made it about two weeks and thought like, I don't like this. I'm not happy. I'm not clear. I'm not working toward these goals that I have. Like, I think what I need to do to get what I really, really want is to make a firm commitment that I'm not going to drink anymore which I did about a month ago and it's been it's been incredible the massive massive things that have happened to me career-wise I mean I feel like I'm in the process of getting everything really that I ever wanted uh in my career and again I'm not trying to put this on you but I don't know if I would have done it if I hadn't heard your interview. So in a lot of ways, I mean, you very, very much changed my life. And I just am very thankful. You're very kind. And I'm, um, 
I'm grateful that I was able to do that interview, and I'm grateful you were able to hear it. And, you know, here's all the thoughts in your head. Hear God talking to you. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm honored. That, that's, and then there brings me to tears. That's beautiful. <laughs> well, I know that part of your journey was that you you made these decisions and you cleaned up your life and you got the things that you wanted but i i remember you saying that part of the deal was that you would be honest about what it took and you would tell the story Correct. about what it took and that is brave and it, this is it this is brave for me to do i mean this is not it's not something that i really want to talk about but um i admire your bravery in telling that story very much. Well, I appreciate it. You know, it um, yeah, I did. You know, um, I, I I promised God when I was, you know, in my predicament. Um, you know, I was like, man, this is this would be profound. You know, what I'm saying like, God, I know you're gonna get me out of the circumstance, and I'm gonna stay committed to, you know being this this new person and this story is so unbelievable because like there's people that never get out of that circumstance like you find yourself hitting rock bottom a lot of people just stay there yeah. they, just, they ship and this is their, this is their new comfort um and i just knew like i'll never be comfortable at rock bottom i know that there are things that i want but the the probability of getting those things now that i'm in a shelter i ain't got no fucking money I got $300. How in the world am I saying, you know, I got a daughter I got to take care of. Like the whole time I was in the shelter, I was still sending money to my daughter's mom because I didn't want anyone to know I was in the shelter. You know, I couldn't ask anyone for help. I couldn't ask my family because I didn't want anyone to know that I was in that position. So it seemed kind of daunting. Like I'm, you know what I'm saying? At a certain point you feel like, damn, I'm never going to get out of this shit. Like I'm going to die in this place. Um, but I was like, you know, God, you get me out of this. I'm going to tell everybody. I am, I'm just going to kind of make it like my ministry, if you will, just a mission to let people know, like, you know, I'm not a very religious person. I don't go to church, um, but I'm very spiritual. And I'm tapped in and it's like, I want to share that with people, like the spiritual aspect of love and compassion and change, like, you know, there was so much, something, someone loved me so much that they were like, eh, I'm not going to let you die here. You know what I'm saying? This is not it for you. Let's let's give you these things that you dream about, even though how in the world does someone make a million dollars from $300 and no customer base? Like, I didn't really do great by my old business. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of my customers were no longer customers. So you got to start over. You got to rebuild your reputation. You got $300 and you really can't afford to mess anything up because you still got to live somewhere. You still have to eat. So that $300 is not going to last you forever. You got to make more money. Um, and just like, I think people needed to hear that. You know, I, I used to watch this movie pursuit of happiness all the time back when I was in Memphis, you know, me and my daughter, we love that movie. So, you know, I used to watch it all the time. And, um, I saw somebody go through shit, you know, taking care of their kids, sleeping in, sleeping in bathrooms and train stations, like just sleeping wherever, being in shelters. 
to becoming a multi-hundred millionaire. And it was just a very encouraging story. Like, damn, I mean, magical things happen. Miracles happen. You know, that was like my takeaway. Damn, miracles happen. Not ever thinking that it would happen to me. But like miracles happen. Things really do happen. If you have that type of heart and you're driven and you like know that you're able to do things. If 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 that man Chris Gardner, shout out to Chris, like he and I now are close friends. Uh, he's a client of mine. But the guy who that movie Pursuit of Happiness was about, had he lost hope, we would never have heard about him. We never even heard his story. The only reason we heard his story is because it was miraculous. So when I found myself in my predicament, I had someone else to refer to. I was like, well, I did see a movie once where this one guy was in a similar position and he came out on top. So maybe I'd come out on top, you know, um, and that was really it. And just like, I'm going to share that with people. So they have something to relate to. They not, they might not be able to relate to Chris Gardner's story. You know, he's, he's, he's older. Um, but this new age situation, like I'm a relatively young guy in Los Angeles. So I think a lot of people will be able to identify with that story and just having the different, you know, things like the alcoholism, depression, sex addiction, coke addiction, all the addictions, like people can relate to that. And people can people see can like, damn, this dude was able to completely transform his life. Not because someone came and dropped a bunch of money on him. Not because he got this big inheritance. Not because any of that shit. Just because he made small changes to his integrity. The way he operated as a person. He stopped being a drunk. Like, I don't drink nothing. No alcohol, no beer, no wine, no champagne. I celebrate with sparkling water. You know, like, but just like you, I love drinking. Love it. It was my go-to. You know, I have social anxiety. I'm an introvert. Like, I don't really like being around people. So, in scenarios where I had to go be social, I'm drinking. <laughs> um, and when I'm drinking, I probably need to smoke a cigarette. And if I'm smoking some cigarettes, I may as well do some coke. And once I did all that, I'm looking around the room to see who I can leave with. You know what I'm saying? It was just like a bunch of emptiness, just so much emptiness. And I think people just hearing my story are like, oh, shit, they can see themselves in parts of it. Like yeah. you're able to see like, damn, he changed this thing and he got this thing. Maybe if I change my drinking habits, maybe some things will change for me. Um, so, I, you know, I'm going to tell that story until I can't tell it anymore. Totally. I also, I also am not super religious, but very um, spiritual. And the the stopping drinking led to like this massive manifestation practice that I'm doing now. I'm manifest manifesting for eight hours a night on a repeated mantra. I mean, I'm deep, deep okay. in the manifesting, okay. and it's um, it's nice to have. To just feel good about what you're doing and have some belief in yourself, you know, because if you don't believe in yourself, what's what is a rich person going to come buy all my paintings and I'm going to make like, no, right. I, that's exactly. on me. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, <laughs> Anyway, I saw, um, is, you know, I reached out to you and you answered and I have been uh, manifesting trying to talk to you for a super long time. So I just yeah, appreciate you 
Uh, another question I had for you. So as a painter, um, I'm 38 years old. It probably took me third, no, let's see. I've been working at being a painter for 30 years. It probably took me 25 years to find a style that I thought, this is me. This is authentic. I can, I know, I know the stroke of my hand, like everything about me is in this style of painting. And as soon as I embraced that style, that is when I was authentic to who I was and embraced that style, that's when things started working. And mm -hmm. you have such a style that is authentic to you. And I want to know if you spend any time when you're making your suits and doing your tailoring, sort of trying to be somebody else who maybe the world thought was good. Yeah, at first, um, the first business I had, that's what it was. It was more traditional tailoring, nice pants, little suits and shit. Just um, trying to, you know, be a version of Hugo Boss. Like, that was who sure. I was. I'm trying to bring clients from, like, Hugo Boss and shit. Like, oh, don't go that, do that. Just come over here and get some plain shit with no aesthetic. Um, and a buddy of mine one day challenged me to find my own voice. But he was like, yeah, it's cool that you're doing... You know, this, that, and the other. And shout out the gentleman Alphonse. Jason Wright is his name. Um, but, I, you know, I walked into this boutique one day, and he was working there. And he was like, yeah, I see you doing your thing. That's cool. You know, you're making cool shit. That's cool. And, uh, this is in 2017. So this is, like, before all the shit went down. And he's like, but, man, we already know you can make stuff. Yeah. When are you going to define an aesthetic? Like, when are you going to, like, just create something that, that you're known for. And I, I, I honestly, I was offended at first. Cause I was like, what the fuck? Like, dude, you're totally. the store. I'm over here making clothes and you're telling me my shit ain't good enough. So it took me like a few days to see the point that he was trying to make. Not that you're not good, but you're great. If you were good, I wouldn't have said shit, but mm -hmm. you're great. So I expect more from you. I expect a consistent sound, a consistent look and image, like, because you're one of the greats. And, um, I think when I got out the shelter, it was like, you know, again, I got out the end of January uh, 2018. And it's, it's wild. It was just four years ago. Um, but I got out and, you know, the first thing I decided was I'm going to up my price and be more in line with like Tom Ford's pricing, which means I got to give something that Tom Ford gives. Now, I had the, the fortune, the good fortune of bumping into Tom Ford in real life at a fabric store. I met the man at a fabric store. And when I met him, he was dressed in Tom Ford, all black. You know, he had a boot on with a heel. And he looked just like his store. Like, you go in the store, and he looked like the shit that he was selling to people. And I realized, this man ain't even a designer. He's just someone who has great taste, knows what he likes. And his taste is so high, other people want to look like him. Damn, I'm overcomplicating it. I'm trying to think of how to, how to design shit for other people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> design for yourself. You yeah. Have a taste level. You know, design for you. Find your thing. So I just sat down one day and I was like, I like stripes. You know, like I like stripes. I don't like the branding where it's like, you know, logo, logo, logo. I'm not a fan of that. But I'm like, you know what? The stripes are so subtle. And at the time, no one was doing stripes in fashion. They weren't putting stripes on pants, shirts jackets they weren't doing any of that 
And I said, well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to make that my logo. I'm going to do double stripes on everything, on chevrons, on everything. And um, that was it. You know, like you said, once I found my consistent voice, then people had something to, like, cling to. Yeah. You know, if, 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 if it changes every day, then people can't stick to it. You know what I'm saying? So when they saw that, okay, this guy's really owning these double stripes. A lot of people told me it was it was not the thing to do. You shouldn't do that. You should be more traditional. No one's going to want stripes on that shit. Mm-hmm. But if they do, I'll be the person that, that owns that space. So I'm, I'm going to focus on it as if I know that they will. Because I have an ability. I can see the future. I can tell that people are going to gravitate to it. You know, when I did the track pad, I was told no one's going to buy a $1,000 track pad from that's ridiculous. You mess around and ruin your business trying to sell track pants and you know I'm making suits. What's wrong with you? I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah. But if it hits, then it'll be mine. I'll own it. And now that same track pants is like $1,800. So, you know, you got to be brave enough to find your voice and like actually follow it. Because everything around you, you got to think, most of the people around you, aren't in the position you're in. They're not entrepreneurial. They're not as bold and daring. And they're definitely not you. So they're never going to be able to see things from your perspective, see your future the way that you can. So, you know, there's a there's an illness out here of people pleasing and asking other people who aren't, they're not even reputable. Like people ask advice from people who they shouldn't ask advice from. You ask financial advice from someone with no money, you know, like, why, why would I receive fashion advice, fashion business advice from someone who does not have a fashion business? Someone who's not fashionable at all, doesn't understand the market. No, you got to trust yourself. And that's all I did. I just trusted myself. I was like, shit, I'm going to charge a lot of money. People might not want it, but someone will. And I'm going to wait until that someone shows up. Because that someone has a peer group that's just like them. Because rich people hang with more rich people. Yeah. So I'll tell you what, if only rich people going to want my shit, then maybe I just need to focus on the rich people. Who are the rich people in LA? Well, most of them are the celebrities. All right. Well, let me start getting them. How are you going to get celebrities, bro? You ain't. I'm just going to put it in my bio that I'm a celebrity tailor and just put fly shit. I mean, who's going to know I'm lying? <laughs> Not and eventually, the celebrities show up. And then when one shows up, three show up, 10 show up, 20 show up, 100 show up. And now I'm the guy. I'm the, I'm LA's like premier celebrity tailor. If you're, if you're a superstar, you want to holler at the boy. I, so. I love it. I love it so much. You, I, you know, you got to be who you are. You got to do what you mm-hmm. think. I paint like a kid, like a like a okay. small child. It yeah. is not, and I. Before I before my art started gaining traction, I put on Facebook back in the day. I it, it is the most cringy thing, but I said, I know I can paint, but I don't know what to paint. What should I paint? Mm-hmm. Like I can't believe I asked that, but I was willing to do a landscape, a portrait. I didn't know, right. you know. I just wanted to paint, and then. So I'm known for these like kings that I do. And that just came um uh not 
who was it? Picasso said, when the muse comes, let the muse find you working. So I just painted until something showed up. And then I found this king and I thought, well, that's weird, but I like it. And then I just started painting more and more and people started buying them. And now it's been on TV and magazines and I'm, I'm known for it. And if I didn't, if I didn't work hard enough to find the thing that I liked and then I didn't stand behind it and say, I think this is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's interesting because you're never going to become who you want to be if you're just knocking off other people. No. There's such a strength in in owning what you like and uh, who you are. And I love, I love the stripes. It's such a subtle, powerful, great looking, it's aspirational in its simplicity. It's, right. it's just fabulous. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, you know, asking people for permission to be authentic to yourself doesn't even sound right. You know, what I'm um, you know, I mean, it's risky, but, you know, no risk, no reward. You know who else they said paints like a child? Who's that? Aside from Picasso, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Yep. Yeah. Look up some of his stuff and see, 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 see the price. Oh, oh, he's my hero. i <laughs> familiar. <laughs> right. It's like, you know... But if everyone else is painting like an adult, why not paint like a child yep. and distinguish yourself? You know, that's the other thing that people have. You know, everyone wants to do what they think everyone else is doing because they perceive that it's easier. No, it's harder. Now you're competing with everyone who's already been established doing the shit that you're now trying to do. Why? Like go into the market dominating. Do something that no one's willing to do and own that shit. That was, you know, I read a book and they talked about the concept of competition versus domination. How competition is just, you're bound to lose if you're competing. It doesn't matter how good of a team you are. You can be the Chicago Bulls or Michael Jordan. They did not win every game. They lost some games. It's because they were competing with other teams. But if Michael Jordan got out there and played my daughter, he would win every game because he would dominate. This is the thing he does. My daughter's 5'2". Jordan is six eight, you know that's that's the kind of, that's dominating. So like finding something that your competition can't do, and then leaning in on that. So that's why you know, again, I'm a tailor, but I'm covered in tattoos. I got piercings everywhere. I got one hand that's got you know longer nails on it. One hand that doesn't. Uh, I put stripes all on my shit. My hair was pink. My hair was purple. My hair was blue. My hair was teal, blonde. I had, you know, French braids, everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, because no one else in my industry was willing to do that. They all wanted to wear the neckties and look very traditional. Why am I going to compete with that? I don't even, I don't even want, I don't want none of the results those guys have. Let me do something I know. You can't do this. You're not going to dye your hair pink because you've already built a brand on being traditional. Okay? You're not going to cover yourself in tattoos. You're not going to cover yourself in you're not going to really go against the grain. You're not going to design anything new, do anything different. People get stuck in their ways. So I just picked all the areas I knew I could be different. And I just leaned in on them. 
And I looked up and it's like I owned all those spaces. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and if anyone, and if anyone, you find someone in fashion who dyes their hair pink, someone's gonna say, "Oh man, they're trying to copy Rich Fresh." You find someone who's doing stripes on their clothes, they go, "Oh man, they're trying to copy Rich Fresh." You see someone who put tattoos all on their hand and try, "Oh man, they're trying to copy Rich Fresh," because I did it when no one else was doing it so consistently that I own it now. Yep. People do that. People do that to me. People are out there trying to sell these fake things. And I have people tag me all over Instagram every day. Like, Blaine does those. Absolutely. But, but they weren't know. doing them before me. I mean, that they was, that take, it took balls for me to say, I think this is cool. I'm going to put it out there. So I, I did that. <laughs> exactly. You know, and you get to own it. Totally. Anyone else, anyone else showing up, you know, they just see you eating and they're like, oh, shit, well, maybe we can get some of the crumbs that she leaves when she's done eating. Yep. Kind of late, though, because I already did that. All right. Yep. Well, Fresh, this is, whew, you made, you made a lot of things, a lot of my dreams come true today. And I, I don't want to keep you too long. You've been so generous with your time. And I really, really, really appreciate you. Absolutely. To reach out, to ask me to share the story, being vulnerable enough to tell me how it impacted you, share stories of your loss, you know, that takes a lot of courage. So I hope someone's going to listen to this and I hope that it impacts them as well. Me too. Me too. All right. Well, I, I can't wait to meet your brother next week. <laughs> That's right. going to be so much fun. Well, tell him that we spoke and that I can't I can't wait to meet him. And um, I'm excited. Absolutely. I'll let him know. All right. Um, thank you.